Welcome to a special episode of Two Drunk Fans. We have a very special guest on the pod today. She comes all the way from the land down under. Something something Chunder. It is Chunder actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that for years. It is Chunder? Yeah. We'll go with Chunder. And welcome to Two Drunk Fans. Can you tell us about yourself? Um, I am 31. I like long walks on the beach. I'm a Piscean and I like to drink. <laughs> Oh, you mean football stuff. Okay. Um, I'm the editor of the women's game and I like lots and lots of football and that's what I'm here for, the World Cup. Oh, the World Cup. Is that happening? It's kind of a big thing, but, you know, some people might not think it's a big thing, but, yeah, it's kind of a thing happening. Um, What was the last game you watched? Oh, the absolute heartbreaker. Um, I watched Japan and England and it was heartbreaking because you kind of thought England were going to go through and I know you and your love affair with Kelly Smith, even though she's retired, wanted England to go through, but Japan kind of did the business. And as an Asian person that I am, I kind of didn't, I was kind of happy. Did Japan really do the business though? Or no. did England shoot themselves in the foot? Oh, I think that's a bit early with a shoot themselves oh. in the fork bit, you know, right. too if soon. If you have any questions, submit them via the comments and I'll make them answer. What are you doing? <laughs> What's wrong with you? This is called a live hijacking. Yeah. yeah, Japan didn't play very well. And, I mean, I guess that's the, that's, what, what's the cliche? That's the sign of a good team when they can win when they're not playing very well. But they really did get lucky. I mean, it was a minute away from extra time. I was preparing my water bottles starting to get comfortable, you know, trying to go and get some chips kind of thing. And then that totally sucked out my plans. And like 31,000 other people, we just were shocked and stunned and kind of felt sorry for poor Laura. I don't Laura. think there's any kind of about it. I mean, <sighs> that is, Kelly Smith outright called it evil. And that is... <laughs> I mean, evil like that look? Yes. It, it was evil. It was like someone had laid a hex on Laura Bassett. That's that's just how stunning and out of the blue and crazy it was. Yeah, and it was interesting because in the media room and the media centre afterwards, there were a couple of ex-players talking about it and they were like, I would have done exactly the same thing. It's not like she did anything wrong. She had to make the clearance move that she did, but, you know, a centimetre more and that goes over yeah. Bardsley's head, but it was actually the most perfect finish. Just... <laughs> At the wrong end. <laughs> and, yeah, that's the hell of it. It's a great finish. It was just... Yeah. Yeah. And look, she held it together for about a minute or two really well. And then the final siren went and mm -hmm. like a good, you know, hour after the game, she was still just devastated. I, well, you don't get over this in an hour. You don't get over I it know, in a right? day. I mean, she's still going to have to play in that third place game against Germany. So maybe Will for she? about... I don't know. I, I, if I don't I'm think... Mark Sampson and I am backing my player publicly, I might play her in that game to tell her I still have confidence in you. You uh, need to have confidence in yourself. Yeah, I reckon he'll. I mean, I think he'll pick her. Uh -huh. But I'm a hot house orchid. I probably wouldn't go on. I'd be like, I cannot do this. And it's not a dating service. <laughs> I know. But still, I mean, I'd be like... it might be. 
But not on purpose. No, no. I look, I think, like, from everything that was being said by past players and the BBC crew were there, um, she's the kind of person who will go and she will try again. And I think that's good for her. I think it might be a case of cliche, just ride that horse again and hope that you don't get your foot stuck in the stirrups kind of thing. That's not a good analogy, is no, it? It's no, it's great because hope you don't get your foot stuck in the stirrup and the English media don't drag you along for a mile yeah. until you're nothing but a pile of meat. Oh, speaking of English media, how kind of crappy was that? Oh, is being sympathetic to Laura's sexist? I mean, is being human, humanist or whatever? It was such a shit argument that we treat the men terribly, so it's equal yeah, footing to treat women terribly. I'm like, no, stop treating the men terribly. It's like... Be a fucking human being. And it's also a case of, like, the England team are terrible. <laughs> like, the England men's team are just terrible. So don't put the same standards on your women because the men are awful. It's like, you know, they're kind of shit, so let's hope that the women are shit so we can give them lots. Um, yeah, let's 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 get to that because who's driving this bus? <laughs> She's taking, we all know I'm driving. Keep on doing set bus. Look, let's talk about the U.S. Pickle. game because I thought you'd want to talk about the U.S. Pickle, game. Yeah. You know, you guys brought it to Germany. Like you brought it. I I'm not gonna lie. I don't think you had it in you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's plenty of Americans in this room. We thought we were all having kittens before that game. But it was a combination of the United States finally changed their tactics enough and Germany overtired from playing France for a full 90 plus extra and PKs. And Sylvia Knight had like a stroke on the field or something. She made one sub in the 70-something minute, and it was Maro, who was not 100%. Like, what was that? I think she panicked a little bit in the latter stages of this tournament. Even against France, um, she didn't have the tactics to be able to switch it up like they needed to. And, you know, we always think about Germany as being a tactically sophisticated nation and being able to change how they play according to what they need. They didn't in this tournament. Mm -hmm. Like, they played the same style, the same personnel in the same way. And that's where I think America did really well was that, you know, you played the rope-a-dope. You were so shit for 18 months that suddenly you switched it to 4-3-3 and you were pressing high and the fullbacks were getting forward and supporting the midfield. Carly Lloyd was played as an actual number 10, Holiday at an actual number 8, and you put in a number 6 in Morgan Bryan. And Germany didn't even know what to do with that. Can the U.S. take credit for doing that intentionally, or was it all a series of fortunate events? Like, if Megan Rapinoe and Lauren Holiday hadn't gotten carted out, not intentionally, according to Abby Wambach, <laughs> it was just, you know, then would, you know, that forces some personnel change-ups and people play really well, and then coaches can't justify to themselves, well, let me sit Kelly O'Hara back down because yeah. she was shit. Yeah. You know. I mean, like... <sighs> Stuff happens, but you also got to take advantage of it. Yeah. And that's where credit has to be given is that they didn't try and do the same thing that wasn't working and just put different personnel in those positions. I think they actually did actively change what they were doing. And they actually learned from what France did. France pressed Germany high. Germany lost. I've never seen Germany lose the ball so often in that game. And it's funny because that's actually what England did to Japan the very next day yeah. was that high press game. Um, because teams don't get it so often, they don't actually know what to do with it when 
finally a player is in their face and they've got to play through pressure. That's I think that's the next evolution for the women's game is being able to confidently play through pressure. And the one thing that we saw is that if you do that to even a good team, they struggle. They struggle to find a way out. And it's funny, I had a discussion with a coach and was talking about tactically why we don't switch formations in-game um, to just throw off opposition. And I was like, there's actually no good reason why we don't. You, Japan do it in attack and defense. They play a four-four-two in defense and then switch to a three-four-three in attack. And I mean, England coped with it well, but other nations don't. It's. Do you think that part of it is we don't yet have players who have a certain level of soccer intelligence to do that? Because I don't necessarily think that's true. Because I'm certain many French and German players are yeah. extremely soccer intelligent. Exactly. So I, so I don't believe that's it. I think. I don't know. Sometimes I think in women's sport, coaches have too much control over what the team does. And yeah, the coach has to have a certain level of control, but you would also hope that players have learned so many different ways that they can do in-game reading and in-game situational changes. Mm -hmm. You would hope that you've played for 10 years, you can do that. And that's what I'm hoping to see a lot more in the next couple of years is that as the game goes forward, you can learn how to work your way out of trouble. At the moment, I think it's too contingent on what the coach does and how they change it up. And if you've got a good, competent coach, that's great. But if your coach is Ignacio Coretta, you kind of want to be yeah, able to do it. If you have a coach who's not tactically sophisticated yeah. and has taught you how to think your way out of a situation, but instead just says, here's the formation, execute it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're boned. Yeah. And, like, I mean, if you're in a work situation, you don't need your boss to tell you how to problem solve every single time you come up with something. I don't know. I think it's a thing that that's the next level for women's sport is mm -hmm. that the players are savvy enough to be able to think their way out of situations. And we see it actually, you know, give praise where it's due. We see it with players like Becky Sauber and mm -hmm. um, really intelligent and understanding of where they are positionally on the field and what they need to do to be able to get out of situations. I know she talks about stuff of like her oh crap speed when she gets in there, but it's because she understands where the danger is and what yeah. she needs to do to get out of it. I think part of that is the evolution of the women's soccer landscape where, especially in America, previously American soccer was so predicated on tough it out and let athleticism carry you yeah. through the tough spots. And now it's not going to work anymore. People are, they're, they're not catching up. They're here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you have, because women's soccer now has been established long enough, you have kids who come up in a soccer environment. Yeah. They come up thinking like soccer players instead of coming up as athletes who then are introduced to soccer. So you get kids like Morgan Bryan and Julie Johnston and, you know, kind of on the youth scene like Sam Mewis who are, they have soccer intelligence. Yeah. And, you know, the rare player like Becky Sauerbrunn who has despite her advanced age. I don't know. Because um, you guys are also young yeah. and old. <laughs> uh, has adapted to the game and is like an intelligent person. Um, as opposed to someone who, I'm not going to name any names or anything, but has to stick name with names. a very name names. rigid... Name names. <laughs> I'll notice the instigators here are Australian, Australian. <laughs> I think part of it also is that 
everyone is learning that the game is getting better and that there is much more competition. I mean, in this World Cup, we've seen the emergence of nations like Cameroon. Nigeria, if they had a better coach, I think would have gone further. Um, you saw even Thailand. I mean, they did really well for what they had and how much history they've got. So you're seeing now that a lot of nations are starting to invest in their programs and they're starting to move on so you it's like that old saying if you if you don't progress you're standing still yeah and that's i think that's going to be the next thing for for the likes of germany even i mean this is the third international tournament in a row where they've they've not done well so mm. that's what, something for them what the emerging nations do you think part of it is now that we do have more history people have to do less trial by error. So if you want to start up a program or like yeah. kickstart your program, you have case studies to go by. So now you can learn from the examples of your predecessors and there's maybe slightly fewer barriers to entry or like you know how to get past those barriers now. You'd hope so. Like you would hope things like the symposium that's supposed to be happening. Like people are talking about best practices and yeah, you can't do everything a particular program does. Like, you can't replicate the US program because you guys got squillions no, of money. You don't have nine million in cash lying around. Squillions. Um, but you can understand what is effective and work with that. And you can understand what is not effective for your program and your soccer culture um, and work with that as well. And I think... I'm really interested to see what happens in the next four years because there are a lot of promising programs that came through. I thought Costa Rica were great and give them a couple more years. Um, Cameroon as well, Nigeria, um, you know, the emerging nations, you saw a lot of them happen. And I mean, I was one of those people who went 24 nations. Oh my God, what are we doing? But I think it's been the best thing. And I think it will be even better in four years time when all these nations suddenly go, oh, God, I've actually got a chance to go to the World Cup and our nation actually has a chance. And particularly for smaller teams, smaller nations whose men are never going to get to the World Cup, it's like, all right, suddenly our nation can actually be on the world stage mm -hmm. and this is the way that we go about doing it. And you and I had like Twitter discussions and like women with women's football, you don't have to put a whole heap of money to mm -hmm. get something back. The return on investment is huge. It's it's, it's amazing. Insane. And and suddenly you're at a World Cup and you're getting extra money for being in the World Cup. Mm -hmm. You're participating, and hopefully you can build on that. And so that's the thing that I'm hoping comes out of this World Cup is a lot of nations go, hey, we've got a chance to be on the world stage. Let's empower our women. Because at the moment, you have a look at the world rankings and you have a look at the nations that have kind of made it through. Um, they're very close to the women's and the UN Women's Empowerment Index. Like most of those nations are those nations. Mm -hmm. So th I think that's hopefully the next thing that starts to happen as well. Okay. So just to change it up a little bit. We'll come back to the tournament at hand. Mm. 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 I think we're enemies on Sunday, are we? We're always enemies, Anne. I know. Except for when you go for Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Then I like you. <laughs> Notice not love, just like. Like. Let's not get carried away. Yeah. Love is reserved for... Hamara Sawa. Christine Sinclair. Hamara Sawa. Christine Sinclair. Sawa. Queen. Sinclair. Queen. Empress of the universe? <laughs> All right, so okay. we are never going to agree. We've got on two that. games left in this tournament, which mm. is mind-boggling after the month we've had. Just can't believe there's only two left. First up, we've got England, Germany. Mm. Do you think England's <laughs> going to come at this with the fire of ten thousand suns, like 
hell no, we deserve to be in the final, so eat this, Germany? Or do you think Germany's going to take them apart? My whole idea of what's going to happen in this World Cup was completely killed by the semifinals. Like, you... USA! <laughs> USA! Push up down there. <laughs> like, it was completely smacked by that. So I have now no preconceived ideas of how any team is going to play and approach a game. But if you take the semi-final form, you would think England would be favourites in this. Um, they played so well and they prepared so well. Um, and I just think that for England, there's more upside. I mean, Germany probably thought they would be playing off in the final mm-hmm. and suddenly they're not and there's that downer aspect of it. Well, I think England for them, this was a good World Cup. They went further than they've ever gone before. Um, they've earned a lot of respect from um, their own nation, which they're always fighting for. Um, a side note, I didn't realise that the English society was as chauvinistic as it was in relation to women's football, considering how good their team's been for a little while. But I think then there's also that heartbreak. And I just think there's more upside for England. And if they can execute like they did in the semi final, I don't see this is weird, but I don't see Germany meddling. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've got the big kahuna, the whole shebang-a-bang, the big cookie. Will the sequel be as good as the original? That is, sometimes it is, but I don't know. Toy Story 2 was as good as the original. (laughs) And so was Toy Story 3. 3. I know, right? Um, well, let's look at, does it have all the same elements as the original? Which is a surprise run to the final yeah. by an underdog who no one saw coming and in fact got beat 2-0 by England in group? Yeah. Like, I don't think it does because they probably will never say that, but I think subconsciously USA might have underestimated Japan. Oh, going no. Into that they completely, everybody underestimated Japan in 2011. We didn't because we'd been hurt by them so many times. <laughs> oh, if only you guys had thought to send a carrier pigeon, like, guys, no. <laughs> Japan, like, routinely finds us around the corner, punches us a lot, rustles through our pockets for change, and then leaves us lying there crying. And not only that, because they're so polite and so wonderful, we're like, go on, go and win. We give you our blessing. Didn't Homari Sawa say she would win it for Australia? No, that was Ayamiyama. Oh, Ayamiyama. Australia came up and said, win it for us, and we said, we will. And she's going to win it for Lisa Devanner as well. Like, isn't that the best friendship in the I mean, I'm sorry for, she's going to have to break that promise, but <laughs> look at the way Japan has been in this tournament. I don't think anyone can argue that Japan has really been dominant. I think a lot of... Um, I don't think a lot, but some of, some of what has happened to get them through has been luck or shaky last-minute goals. Yeah, but, I mean... You could say the same for America. <laughs> like, they haven't exactly... You can't say this. You, yeah, many you, people have said this. You, they haven't exactly set the world on fire until that semi-final. Again, it was such an anomaly for what they'd been putting well, out. And not, I'm not saying it's an anomaly because they're, like, totally in 100% shit, but it's an anomaly because of the fact that everybody knew they had the parts. Everybody knew they had this performance in them, and that was part of the criticism. The criticism wasn't because everyone was going, every player is terrible. That wasn't the criticism. It was like, no, you've got lots of really good players. You've got lots of depth. Why can't you find the combination and play the game that everybody knows is within you as a team? The answer rhymes with schmilschmalis. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, I'll let you. I'll let you decode that one, gentle viewers. Well, you guys had some Tamani to go with it, but you know, you could have been there a lot earlier. I'm just saying, and that's why you don't let's, get any more Australians because you wreck them. Let's not bring that up. All right. Let's too not soon. Talk too about soon. It. Yeah, it's always going to be too soon. He's happy with his new bay in the. Oh, please, with, with an ex-girlfriend who got dumped on our asses. I wouldn't say it dumped, but mm. you guys just needed different... Well, he needed different things oh, that you okay. weren't able to provide. So that's what the new girlfriend says as they walk off into the sunset. Yeah. You know. Call your girlfriend. It's time you had to talk. <laughs> to bring it back to the final, I think I would actually give the United States quite an edge going into this game Absolutely. based on... The last two performances of either team. Absolutely. Although I would say that Nara Sasaki is such a smart operator. Like, look at the look at the terrible results Japan had in the last oh, little while. Like when he was experimenting with the team, trying to figure out which players were going to come in. Like that's the thing that he does really well is he tries lots of players and he integrates it, kind of like a Tom Samani does. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still going there. Um, and he finally found what he needed. And yeah, Japan haven't set the world on fire, but that's Japan. Like, I can't even remember the last time Japan smashed a team. They just don't do that. But what they normally don't do is let you into the game. They just, they're like a boa constrictor. They just wrap around you and slowly start tightening until you finally gasp and they get the goal. Like they did against Australia. Um, just get over it, Anne. It was it happened a long time ago. Okay, <laughs> all of a week ago. Um, but it's a case of will the USA allow them to do that? And if they play like they did in the semi-final, I think Japan are going to find it difficult. Although I kind of think that England did the USA a real disservice by playing that well and playing that kind of high-pressing game like um, USA did against Germany. Because you bet you, on the training tracks, Sasaki has been working on that already to make sure that they're not surprised again. So I feel like England kind of might have stuffed you, stuffed you up in that regard because they're going to be prepared for those tactics now. England always screwing over America. <laughs> mm. Aren't you over that? It was like 1,700 and what? It's not something you just get over, Anne. <laughs> yeah, so I think this game, um, more than any other game, is going to be a mental battle because both teams are going to be trying to play their own style and execute that. And it's going to be a case of who caves first to adjust for what the other team is doing. And I don't know if Japan will do that. Like, they're so used to playing their style. I don't know if they'll cater for the US strengths. Um, and then there's also the ridiculous US defence. By the way, Australia is the only team to have scored on them in this tournament. Just oh, my God. Putting Anne. that out there. Oh, my God. Just putting that out there. Oh my it's God. a fact. It's a known fact. Um, and the defence was one of those... Um, places where you thought the USA could have an advantage, but they've been so dominant. Um, it's yeah, been incredible. Have. Yeah, they have. Although you did get lucky last game, just saying. Mm. Put Becky Sauerbronn on money.com. 
So I think you're right. I think it'll be a nerve-wracking game. I think it'll be pretty tight through the first half, and I think things might open in the second half mm-hmm. when people either get over their nerves or they kind of figure each other out, and then they'll start throwing some punches, and we'll see who lands one. But my score prediction on this one is going to be 2-0 to the United States. I think it will probably be 2-1 to the United States. All right. I can live um, with that. For me, like I said, it's just going on what I saw in the semifinal. It was so impressive. Like, that's the kind of modern football everyone wants to see is that connection. My only my only caveat is can they do that two games in a row? Do you yeah. say caveat in Australia? Yeah. You say caveat in America. Caveat. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's my only thing. Can they do that two games in a row? Because I don't think you'll see Japan have that bad a game again. Like I said, Saki's too smart. He drills his teams too well once he sees there's an issue. But the other problem for Japan is, and it's been a problem for a while, that they've just been able to... Um, get over in terms of when they've needed to but they just don't score enough goals from the opportunities that they create it's their their conversion of the semi-finalists was the lowest by a significant margin and against the US's defense they're not going to get that many chances and so they need to put them away like big time Mm -hmm. Um, so I think this game is going to be it's going to be a big old chess match and it's not going to help that it's going to be basically a US home crowd too. So, no, it won't with you crazies in the crowd. Yep. So, that's it for this episode of One Drunk Fan and One Aussie. <laughs> Do you need help wrapping this up as the drunk fan? Thank you for listening for Two Drunk Fans. Join us next week as we have a look at the review of the FIFA Women's World Cup Final. Thank you and good night. And that was awful. <laughs> Are you terrible. still the if you end it? <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> no. We'll see you guys after the final. Yeehaw. Fuck yeah, America. Screech! <laughs>